Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Fachi. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Razor catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in! Duarte for three. Boom, baby! Anthony attacks Hibbert! Denies him at the rim! Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert! Skies high for the jam! Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket! Jackson turns, fires, and has... Bringing that smoke! Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hands! This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. I'm joined today by the one and only Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, another tough loss for the Pacers, and once again, lose a close game. Yeah, I just don't really know how I'm supposed to interpret these losses anymore. Just when you think you're out, Pacers win three straight. Then Golden State comes into town. Curry's got, you know, the the three-point record in his, you know, in his close view. And the Pacers stop him from setting history, but they couldn't stop the Warriors from getting the win. In the end, they blow it. A game that the Pacers were up for most of the game. They were up by five with four minutes, 26 seconds to go. They're outscored 11-4. I mean, many different Pacers took a turn at it in the end. You saw Brogdon have a chance at it to go ahead, failed. You saw Miles Turner ha- having a wide open three, take the lead, failed, didn't work out. And then Levert, a chance to, you know, go for the, the tie, the win, whatever, doesn't even get a shot off, slips, falls, balls out of bounds. I mean, Warriors win 102-100. Alex, what were your thoughts on that? No, I mean, I, I think overall it was just a game. I was at the game, a lot of Warriors fans there, a lot of Steph fans there. Um, but that's okay. I, I didn't really mind it. It was just funny because they were pretty quiet for a good majority of the night because the paces were up by nine up points. You know, they looked really good. So I, I just felt like it was a game that the Pacers were up early. And I looked at somebody in the game and I said, will they close it out? I don't think so. If, if it's close, we're going to end up losing this game. And uh, unfortunately, I was right. But with that being said, I thought it was a really great performance from Malcolm Brogdon on both sides of the basketball, clearly the MVP of the night. DeMontis Sabonis could not be stopped on the offensive end. The, the Warriors had zero uh, answers for him as well. But then it was just the role players, like Miles Turner going one of ten. Chris Duarte, I think he was one of six. Jeremy Lamb couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. So just the role players didn't step up. And if one of those guys hits one three, right, that they take, we win this game, Fachi. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. The two of those guys, Turner, Duarte, two for 16 combined. That's never going to get it done. It's really unfortunate because, man, I mean, they, they had some looks at some shots. But in the end, once again, the Pacers do not have a closer, and it showed. I mean, they wasted a Sabonis 12 
for 17 performance. He hit the Pacers' last basket, but instead they rotated it around, and unfortunately no one was able to come up with a basket in the end. Couldn't, couldn't secure that rebound at the end. It's, it happens every game. Once again. Once with this again. team, they can never get stops when they need them the most. And, you know, Steph Curry, one of those players that even if he's having a, a poor shooting night for himself, I think it was 5 of 15 from three, just his presence on the floor makes it so incredibly hard to guard him. And, and really it opens up so much more for their offense. But um, Fachi, any final thoughts on that game as we uh, wrap this up and move on to our, our big segment here in segment one? Nope, no pats on the back. I can't say, hey, the guys, the guys played great last night in the end when you couldn't close out. That that's what we're going to remember. 16 points in the fourth quarter. That's not going to get it done against the Warriors. Absolutely not. So that wraps up that recap. Fachi, do you want to tell the people what we're going to be doing today to kind of uh in this next in this first segment here? What are we going to be doing today? Sure. So we got a fun segment for you. Uh, as everybody knows, or if you don't. December 15th, that is when nearly 85% of the league is, is eligible to be traded. So we wanted to go with our top 10 guys that we would love to have the Pacers trade for. We'll start from 10, work our way up. We also threw in a little stipulation that um, if there may be, if it's going to be one player where the salary is not going to work, we're going to be able to have it be two players for that spot on the same team, of course. Yeah, and I, and, and, and I think I was a little bit confused me and Fatch were talking about this, so for me personally, like some of the guys I have, like, for example, I'll just say like, let's, if we're trading one of the Pacers, right. I'd say like, Oh, Jeremy Lamb slash TJ McConnell. Well, it's not like I'm saying, uh, you know, trade them both. I I'm referring to, I want one or the other in a trade. That's kind of how I did that on my value. If you're kind of confused on why maybe I had X player with X player, because they might not play the same position or I just like two young players or two players from a certain team. And I'm just like, either or would be great. I have like three or four of those on my list um, because I could not cut it down to just uh, 10 because it was kind of difficult for, for me to find 10 guys exactly on this list. So I, I guess I kind of cheated a little bit on my list, Fachi. But um, yeah, well, let's get started with it. Um, who do you have at number 10? The one thing I want to say, one last thing is, guys, we try to make this list more realistic so uh spoiler alert there's not going to be like a lebron james on this list well i mean why not that's just pretty realistic <laughs> yeah of course well hey starting off at number 10 over there it's going to be that stipulation that i mentioned uh having two players over there and that would be in involving a trade with the new york knicks that would include Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly, two players that you combine their salaries together. You're more likely to be able to, you know, pull off a trade, whether that's involving, you know, potentially a Miles Turner or I don't. They're not going to be giving up these assets for Jeremy Lamb, but those are two young players that are both coming off the bench right now for the Knicks that I think could be solid pieces for the Pacers moving forward. Obi didn't get to play much as a rookie. He's playing more. He's taking a step forward quickly. I mean killed the Pacers earlier this year. I think he had about six threes made off the bench. I think that both those young players have a lot of potential, even though Obi Toppin was a bit of an older player coming into league. Pacers aren't afraid of that. Shows with Chris Duarte being drafted to them. I, I have Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly as two guys that I could not decide between, but that is going to be up higher on my list. So I will save my thoughts until then. Fachi, for me at number 10, I've got Russell Westbrook. Uh, this is a guy that once out of LA, they want, they want to move on from him. I'm just kidding. Fachi. I just want to see. I, I, was, I, was, I was dead silent. I was like, Whoa, Westbrook did not crack my list. I did not see this coming. No, I was surprised that young wasn't your number 10, but anyway, um, 
I went with Davion Mitchell slash Tyrese Halliburton. I don't really think Halliburton's available at this point. So I just kind of threw him in there as like, hey, if he is, though, that'd be somebody I'd be intrigued by because those are two guys that, you know, are pretty good basketball players. And if you're looking at Tyrese Halliburton, six foot five shooting guard slash point guard. So he can play a little bit of both. I, I, I know that we already do have Chris Duarte. So it'd be like, would he be getting in the way of his play? But, um, you know, overall this season, he's averaging 11 points, three rebounds, six assists, almost five and a half assists. Uh, 44.7% from uh, the, the field and 41.6 though from three. So pretty effective three-point shooter. And then Davion Mitchell, this is a guy that, you know, was a little bit older as well, drafted. You just talked about Obi Toppin being older. Um, the Pacers, I, I heard, had interest in him, but we don't know how, how real that was. He was drafted in, at nine when the Pacers had picked 13. But I, I really like Davion Mitchell, and he's actually been shooting the ball better from three over the last couple of games, Fachi. Uh, so I think that's something to keep an eye on. Like one, one night he shot two, he's shot two of three, the last couple of nights shot three or four, a few games ago before that. So, I mean, it's not like it's perfect, but he's, uh, he's been doing better from there. So I'm hoping that that's something he's adding to his game, but just getting some young guys like that would make a lot of sense to me. Absolutely. Love me some Hal Burton. Uh, I think he's got a ton of potential. So, uh, Davion Mitchell too. I mean, really does. We know he, he coming into the league being a potential lockdown defender. So still want to, you know, let him, I'm not going to judge any, any rookie years. That's always really tough. So give him time. I, I think that the Kings got, you know, uh, a lot of resources at the point guard position over there. Uh, for number nine on my list, a guy that everyone's talking about, and maybe it's just by, by them talking about it, it's, it's gotten me on board, but Taylor Horton Tucker. Uh, Horton Tucker, I feel like, is someone that I know the Lakers covet. He's really their their main trade chip right now, if they are to make a move. Just turned 21, and this is year three uh, in the NBA. So I do think that he still has plenty of growth ahead of him. He's a guy that can do a little bit of everything. Um, but I, I feel like I look forward to seeing his growth, and I know that they – they locked him up to a deal that pays him closer to around that $10 million mark. So he, he can fit into trades. The Pacers, he could play the you know guard or forward position. Uh, I think that he would fit in with the Pacers or a young talent that would be great to attract. But depends, you know, if the Lakers are willing to part with him or not. Yeah, I do not have THT on my list. So Pacer fans, rest assured, Miles Turner will not be in any trade ideas for me for Talon, uh, Tor- Talon Horton Tucker. Good grief, can't say his name. But I just, I just don't think that having another guy that really can't shoot makes a whole lot of sense for this team. Um, that's one of the knocks on THT is he's not a great shooter. So if we kept Turner and, and you got him for like Lamb and something else, like, okay, I can maybe see that. But I just, it's not the most ideal fit for me with Talon Horton Tucker. I cannot even say his name. I was going to start saying THT. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I get like why there's like that report that said there's seven GMs that would be interested in him. Kind of would be shocked if it's the Pacers. Um, just don't really know what they'd be willing to give up for him. And uh, does he really play? I mean, does he really fit the roster with what they're going to build? I don't know. But, um, you know, he's young enough where you'd like to take a gamble on him. Uh, Just signed an extension. So there's that guarantee that you're going to have him for a few years. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that he's, he's a, he's a nice player. Uh, I think he just has to be on a certain roster to really maximize his talent. Um, for me at number nine, I said Colin Sexton or either uh, or either Isaac Okoro or Colin Sexton from Cleveland. So uh, just just two young guys. Obviously, Colin Sexton's coming off an injury. You might be able to get him in a Karis LeVert trade that I talked about with Sam Quinn. Um, I, I like Colin Sexton. It's not my first choice, obviously, but I, I do think that he's a guy that'd be intriguing to look at. Um, Isaac Okoro is just you know a guy that's um, 
on the bench right now, but he can play shooting guard or a small forward, six foot five, 225 pounds. He's, he's a big dude, right? He's a wing that you really need that can guard. And that's really something Cleveland doesn't have. So if they did trade him, you know, that would be a bit of a, a knock on them. But I think if they wanted to get somebody like Karis Levert on their roster, uh, Isaac Okor would make some sense. So uh, I, I do like his game, but he's still pretty raw and he's only 20 years old. So getting another young guy would be awesome to, uh, to have on this roster. Definitely a young, promising guy. I mean, someone that has always been heralded for his defense. I believe he was a top 10 pick. I want to say eighth overall. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned still young, but very raw. Raw yeah. is where it's like, you know, you wonder if he can live up to that that uh, that top 10 pick. But I, I, that's definitely a player that, you know, would be worth taking a gamble on. Uh, Colin Sexton, on the other hand, you know, Sexton someone who has a ton of potential. It's an absolute shame he's going to miss the rest of the year. We've always known he can score, but for some reason, there's always been kind of a knock on him behind the scenes, whether it's his defense, whether it's, you know, maybe trying to have the Cavs be his team or not. I I, I don't expect the Cavs to, you know, give him a, a big deal with Darius Garland, you know, performing the way he is in the team. So I think Colin Sexton someone that could for sure be on the move. Um, my next pick, this is someone... Maybe I should have higher on my list, but I've always liked his game. That's Anthony Simons. Um, uh, that's so funny. That's my number eight. Hey, I believe it because this is a kid who's blossoming. He really is. I remember yeah. when he came out of IMG Academy and wasn't going to go to college. I thought I was like, what? This, this like, and then you looked at his numbers and I was like, man, this guy made the wrong decision. But you know what? He was just so young on a Portland team trying to win and, Little by little, I've seen him get better and better. And this year, he's turning into a really good player off the bench. He's averaging 12.6 points per game. He's more of a scorer, but he's efficient. He's shooting 46% from the field, 39% from three. Yeah. He's a player that I just feel like it continues to trend upwards. And we're starting to see some some you know pretty solid performances from him on a, on a nightly or weekly basis. So, Anthony Simons, if the Blazers are looking to make a move, He's expected to be that major trade chip. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how realistic it would be for the Pacers to get him. I don't know what they'd have to give up to get him. But I also I could also see him being, you know, like if the if the Blazers moved on from CJ McCollum, I could see them sliding Simons next okay. to Damian Lillard. I mean, you know, you said it. He's only 22 years old, but he's been in the league. This is his fourth season. I was yep. actually blown away when I saw that because I thought, oh, he's been in the league maybe like two years, three years at the most. Now, this is year four for him. And you notice, I mean, he had a he had a little bit of a regression last year in, in terms of points, but uh, just by a half a point less per year. But, I mean, 12.6 points per game this year, that's almost five more points than what he had last year. So I, I think he's a guy that you look at the projections and the trajectory of what he could become, and that's somebody you're like, hey, what would we have to give up? Because I don't think Portland's going into tank mode. I don't think they're going no, into rebuild mode. Not with Dame there. No, they're going to go retool. So – Based on what you can give up, I think that Anthony Simons would be a guy like, hey, you know, you want to get better here. Let, let us give you a better a better center. Give us a couple guys and, and make sure Anthony Simons is a part of that deal. Last thing I'll say on that, I mean, if you're trying to make salaries work and all that, like Nazir Little is, is a player over there that is another first-round pick that maybe if the Pacers could get both those guys, that would be awesome. If they walk away with just Simons and whatever you need to do to make that deal happen, love it. But – wouldn't be the first time we took advantage of Portland. Woo! <laughs> Jermaine O'Neal. Man, that oh trade worked God. out good. And that was a guy coming off the bench, not getting enough play. You were time. waiting on that one. Oh, man, I was waiting on that. 
Oh my gosh. All right. Well, tell me who your number seven is. All right. Number seven. I mean, I tweeted about him another day, but Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is someone who I truly believe in. I know he has not maximized his potential. This guy was a top three overall recruit uh, at Duke, but then also didn't help that he was playing with the top two recruits in RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson. So I felt like he got overshadowed there. Then he goes over to Atlanta. There's just so many young, talented players over there. I feel like he hasn't really gotten to show his, his full maximum potential, but he's shown flashes. This is a guy that, you know, at times has been, hey, you never want to throw these comparisons, but like a poor man's Paul George in terms of like, he's a big body, small forward who can play, you know, both sides of the ball. But if you can't come up with Cam Reddish, I've always liked DeAndre Hunter's game. Another guy who, who plays small forward for them, really good three-point shooter, really good defender. So Hunter was, it was a guy that I believe was picked sixth overall, I, I strongly believe in him, but like we mentioned, Atlanta, they just have so many young guys. They can't pay them all. Would love to swoop in and grab one of them. Yeah, I um, I, I have them a little bit higher. I do not have um, uh, DeAndre Hunter on my list. Uh, talk about him for a second. I mean, I think he was drafted fourth overall, if I'm not mistaken, by the fourth, Hawks. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was when all that trade went down. I think they ended up trading pick number 10 to the Pelicans. Or the, the Pelicans traded number 10 to uh got they got number 10 for some reason. I forget how that all worked out, but uh that's the, the Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter were both drafted in the, in the same year, uh, if I'm not mistaken, at four and ten. They were. And that was when there was rumors going around that the Pacers could have traded uh Miles Turner for the fourth overall pick at, at, at one point. And I think that's when New Orleans owned it. It would have been like a three-team deal. Yep. I forget all the all the ramifications from that deal, but what I will say is, uh, you know, I, I do like DeAndre Hunter. I wonder how available he is because I know he was a pretty big missing piece for them last year in the playoffs, and, and everybody talked about it. Then he came back this year and wasn't the greatest. But um, Cam Reddish, so that's a guy that uh, I'll talk about in a little bit. But for my number seven, Bocce, it would not be uh, a, a list of mine, a, a top ten players to trade for list if I didn't have this guy on my list at number seven. I've got PJ Washington from Charlotte. Okay. Okay. I didn't have, I didn't have the guts to put him in the top five, but I, I felt like it was okay to put him on my list. He has regressed this year and that's the only negative to him in a little bit. Uh, went from 12.9 points a game to 10.6 uh, rebounds are down 1.4 assists are down by a, by a half of assists per game, you know, shooting wise um, he's gotten better in terms of effective field goal percentage. He's at 56%. But, you know, just three-point percentage, he's at 43% though this year, which is really key uh, to, to what I like about his game. But overall, he's only started three games. He's played in 16. So um, not really sure how available he is or if they'd be willing to part ways with him for Miles Turner. We've had that in um, that that conversation several different times. And even with Charlotte, uh, our Charlotte podcast friends over on Blue Wire at BuzzBeat. And, uh, you know, everybody makes fun of me for wanting him so bad, but they don't think he'd really be a guy to give up for Turner, but 23 years old, I think he's young enough where you don't feel like, uh, you know, you're, you're missing out on anything when you trade a young guy like Turner for him. So that's why I'm a, I'm a sucker for PJ. I got him at seven. Hey, I've, I've always loved this game. I mean, I even remember a couple of years ago, him dropping like 42 points. Um, he, he's someone who's super talented. If you look at from a, just a sheer number standpoint, uh, looks like his minutes are down. He's playing about five less minutes per game, shooting the ball a bit less. So I feel like that explains his numbers being a bit down. But th- this kid, I think if he goes and has a starting role, which he's coming off the bench, also 
only played about 16 games this year. If he has a starting role, he will show it on a night-to-night basis. So I had him higher on my list, and I kept pushing him, pushing him down, and he ended up falling on my honorable mention. Um, wow. Yeah, I, yeah. So I, I used to be much higher. disrespect. On, I used to be much higher on the P.J. Washington. But, you know, I don't know. I, oh, you know, I don't want to say I soured a little bit, but, you know, I was expecting a bigger jump by year three. Yeah, um, it could just be the way the roster's built over and there. And I think that's him. how it is. I think that Charlotte became more competitive. So, you know, over there it, it became, you know, he's not getting the same amount of minutes, starting role, all that. But yeah. moving on to number six, I mean, this is someone I wouldn't be surprised if you had him on your list. We've talked about him for a lot. His name continues to swirl in rumors, and that's Jeremy Grant. Got him higher. I, I bet you did, and I don't blame you that for one bit. Jeremy Grant is someone that, will be moved it's only a matter of time he doesn't fit the pistons timeline but what he did when he left denver he bet on himself and he was absolutely right he is he had so much more to his game than anyone knew and thank god he did that because he would have always kind of been a role player on denver i believe um and he went from averaging 12 points per game his final year in denver to to over 22 in detroit this year he's averaging over 20 look there's no way around it. That team stinks. They're going in a completely different direction. They're going to want to, you know, bring in some assets. Now he's got a hurt finger. He's going to be out. He's, I think it's a thumb. He's going to be out for about six weeks. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised one bit if he's traded. I, I I fully expect it. You can almost set your clock by it, basically. But, man, if the Pacers can get in there, that's a guy that he could score. He could defend. He's that way. He, I mean, having him in the starting lineup, I just think would be – Awesome, especially when you don't know the direction of which way you're going to go with T.J. Warren. Yeah, so you're basically saying this was a guy that was viewed as a role player, wanted to get moved where he wasn't going to be a role player. <laughs> hey, when you heard that story before. Uh, you know? Yeah, it sounds like I'm listening to a guy that could that, that could be swapped for him, and that's Miles Turner. Maybe Miles Turner goes to Detroit. They play through him for a, a season and a half and get his stock up, and then, hey, doesn't fit their timeline and they can trade him somewhere else to be a role player again. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I like Jeremy Grant. Obviously I have him higher. I'll touch on him in a minute, but um, with my number six, this is where I had Cam Reddish and I also had Jalen Johnson. Uh, this is somebody that we were both kind of interested mm-hmm. in uh, this year's draft. Um, fell to what was it? I forget where he fell to be honest, like 18 20. or 20. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, okay, Jalen Johnson. And, uh, if you could get your hands on like some young talent like that, because he's another young four, obviously you have Isaiah Jackson. So you gotta, you gotta not get too many players that play that same position. But at the same time, I think Isaiah Jackson could come off the bench for a couple of years, kind of learn that role a little bit because, you know, I think O'Shea is going to have to play the three and uh, you can figure things out that way. But um, Cam Radish, I mean, th- this is a guy Flachi, that we both, I mean, if you just look at the intangibles of this kid, I mean, just the, the sheer size is just a perfect body for, for an NBA player. And when we saw moments from him where he's just like, what is up with this guy? This guy is awesome. Like, there's just so much raw potential there. I think that just getting with the right coaching system. Um, I, I don't know if Nate McMillan is the perfect guy for a young for a young player when you're trying to win. Uh, you know, especially, especially a guy coming off the bench. I, I think that getting him in this system would be really awesome give him an opportunity to play next to Chris Duarte. Um, you, you hope that maybe you can keep TJ Warren and he's healthy, play him at the four. That right there is a really fun starting five, whether it's Turner or Sabonis with Brogdon. I mean, I could get behind that if Cam Reddish can become 
what some people think Cam Reddish can become. But this is the type of player the Pacers have to take a gamble on um, because it, it reminds me a little bit of Ron Artest when he was with Chicago. A uh, okay. little bit of a headache there, right? They were ready to move on from him. Indiana brings him on, and look what he became. He became a defensive player of the year. He became, uh, I think he was an all-star, if I'm not mistaken. I, I could be wrong on that, but nah, he I don't think never he was an all-star. Okay, but, I mean, still, a, a key part of a really successful NBA team, right? So that's kind of the route I would like to go just because I, I do enjoy watching young players get moved into a bigger role. The Pacers could really use somebody like this, uh, just raw athleticism. I mean, I, I can't gush about the kid enough. I just, I just wanted to ask you, though, would you be willing, because the report said that they would want a first-round pick, would you be willing to part with a first-round pick this year to get Cam Reddish? I assume you're probably talking about an unprotected first-round pick, right? Just a first-round pick in general. I mean, you can put the protections on it if you want, well, but I'm just saying. That makes all the difference to me because if the Pacers continue to, you know, I don't want to say play the way they're playing, but if things play out the way, you know, with the Pacers sitting in like the 13th spot in the East, to give up like a top 10 pick for, for Cam Reddish, unfortunately, I think is too much. Yeah. Uh, I want him. I want him. But there's got to be some type of protections on it. You know, maybe if you protect it, top 10 protected, something like that. Because then if that pick ends up being 13 or so, you could live with that. But, I mean, to give up what could arguably be like the eighth overall pick for, for Cam Reddish, you bring him in. Now you got to give him a new contract already. Then you start to wonder a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a trade out there that could maybe – I think you could trade two Pacers with, uh, with salary-wise to, to be able to take back, like, Gallinari and Reddish together. Um, there's a trade I have in mind in my head, but I don't want to spoil it right now. But I'm just saying something along those lines. You, you give Atlanta two guys that can play, whether it's off the bench or in your starting lineup, and use them as role players to help you, you know, get some more shooting, some more playmaking, that kind of stuff. Um, just another score out there. I think there's a lot of different ways you could go about it. But um, anyway, let's move on to your number five. Number five. So, you know, as you can tell, we've started to enter, at least I did, with Jeremy Grant. More of the, the players that can help us right now. And uh, number five is a guy I brought up, uh, you know, maybe an episode or two ago. But he's quickly forgotten. That's Rui Hachimura. Has not played this year. This guy, I'm telling you people. He, it, he is going to be so good when he gets back on the court. He's got, For some reason, it looked like there was some type of personal issues going on where he has not played this year, and that, that is alarming. I'll, I'll be honest. But yeah. this is a guy that was a top-10 pick. He was on the all-rookie first team, I believe it was, and he was an absolute pacer killer last year. In the three games over there, he dropped 26 against us, dropped 27 against us, and there was another game where it was like 13-7. and seven. But – I really feel like he's a piece that that is should be vital to Washington. I don't think that they're in a rush to trade him, but if he becomes available and you're trying to give them more win-now players to keep Beal happy, if you're going to trade one of the bigs, Rui Hachimura would be a really great fit at that four spot, and I really hope the Pacers have an opportunity to get him. I put him on my honorable mentions list because I, I worry a little bit, Fachi, about him not playing this season. Yeah. I'm not sure – what is going on there? But it just seems like red flags. And would the Pacers be willing to go that route? Um, there's a lot of reports out there saying that they're really interested in Ben Simmons still Pacer-wise. So he's not played all year, so maybe that doesn't matter. Uh, just, you know, trying to find that diamond in the rough. Rui Hachimura could be that guy. I mean, obviously Washington has valued him, and he's done really well against the Pacers. So it would make a lot of sense. I, I think that this – we're kind of looking at a guy that's just 
you know, a, a, a nice power forward fit next to one of our centers, whichever direction we go. Um, hoping that we can find a guy like that could, that's more of a modern fit. Right. So I, I do like Rui Hachimura's game. He's a guy that I was a little bit higher on probably last year, but did not make my top 10. He's on my honorable mention for me at number five. This is where Obi Toppin slash Emmanuel quickly fall in for me. I just, I've talked about him a lot on the last couple of podcasts, so I won't say too, too much, but love their athleticism, love their upside. They're on the bench in New York. It, you know, New York's a good team. Uh, I don't think they're a great team. I think the Pacers just desperately need some athletic players and adding Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly would just be such a vibe for this Pacers team. You're not probably getting both. You're probably getting one or the other. So if you get one or the other, um, I think that that's a great sweetener and a deal. If you, end up trading, for example, like Miles Turner to, to New York, you have to at least get one of those two back with a salary filler uh, to make it worth even anything because um, the potential of what quickly and Toppin could be as separate players individually with a new opportunity, I think could be huge. Yep. I, I already mentioned him. I love him. I think both guys have the potential. I mean, Obi Toppin, former national player of the year in college, uh, quickly someone who, you know, once he gets a starting role with the Knicks, he'll show everybody. Um, but moving up to number four on my list, it's a guy that everyone talks about. And then the Pacers, they, they keep being linked to him. It's Ben Simmons. Oh, now, not number one. Not number one, because I am someone that I always believe hard work is going to beat talent in the long run. And I worry about his hard work. I really do. Ben Simmons has always been talented. But you can we continue to wait and wait and wait for him to take that next step. And you know what? His, his next step was off the court. I mean, any guy who right now doesn't want to, to be out there like that, you start to wonder a little bit because if he's unhappy in Philly, he could be unhappy in Indiana. Sure, like maybe they could try and make him the guy over there. But if this guy's not coming back to the court hungrier than ever before, showing an improvement in, in shooting, which he has not through, you know, what would be technically five years into the NBA, four seasons because he missed his rookie year, then – for the Pacers, when you're going to be owing them $140 million, you're all in at that point. So I worry, but he has all the potential, a great – one of the best defenders in the league, a fantastic playmaker. You can't teach his height and ball, ball handling because you just can't do it. So he is special, and if the Pacers really want to take a swing at it, Ben Simmons is someone that very well could be that guy. I think Ben Simmons is worth the risk of getting him, right? I just, I just couldn't put him on my list because I don't feel like it's a realistic trade. Um, obviously, what we're willing to offer and what we can offer does not fit what Philadelphia wants. So you're going to have to find a third team to make that deal. Is there a third team out there? I'm sure you could find something maybe, but it just seems so hard for me to find something that will match exactly what Philadelphia wants. And I mean, it's just, it's just a tough conversation. I definitely think Ben Simmons is worth being on the list in terms of overall talent, somebody you go out and get. But I just I just couldn't put myself to put him on there, Fudge, because I don't know how real, realistic it is for him to be in a Pacers uniform. It's just like we've talked about it so much. Uh, I, I, I would just be stunned if that's what happened. But um, I would embrace it 1,000%. Um, for me, number four, this is where I have Jeremy Grant. The reason I have him up this high is just because fit-wise uh, – uh, obtainability I feel like he's more obtainable than a guy like Ben Simmons he's a guy that can shoot the ball good team defender could a one-on-one -on -one defender I think he's fine obviously living in Detroit so he'd be fine moving to Indiana um, hopefully that he's not 
going to pout and be disappointed if he doesn't have a massive role offensively. Uh, I think there's ways that they can utilize him to, you know, play maybe some of the three, but also play some of the four. You can maybe even go some small ball five with him as well in certain situations. So I like Jeremy Grant. He's always been a guy that I've been a fan of. So crazy to see his career kind of come out the way it has. But like you said earlier, he bet on himself and, uh, you know, it might pay off for him. And I definitely respect it. Jeremy Grant, someone we've talked about for a while. We would love to have him in a Pacer uniform. And I think he can fit many teams. So I wouldn't worry about a fit there. Uh, for number three on my list, a guy that we've talked about quite often lately, that's De'Aaron Fox. Now, look, how realistic is it? I don't know. We're going to see. But but what I will say is that year after year, month after month, it feels that it's getting a little bit more realistic because – the Kings are stuck in the mud. They've been stuck in the mud. Their playoff drought is the longest in the NBA. I think it's approaching about 16 years now or 15, either one. It's 15 or 16. And we're starting to look at a guy that, yeah, he's paid. He's a max player. But why are the Kings continuously drafting point guards draft after draft if you already have a stud in Fox? And, I mean, he came out with comments. It was either today or yesterday basically saying, and I, I never lost until I got here. So little by little, you're starting to see the frustration. <laughs> and I, I think that at one point, you know, he's someone that can bring in a haul for Sacramento. Now, d- do the Pacers make that deal this year? No. Do I see him probably getting traded this year? Probably not likely, but I, I don't see him being a king for years and years to come. I didn't have him on my list. Um, once again, did not think it was realistic. I've talked about it before. I've thrown the idea out there before, but it just does not seem to make a whole lot of sense. Um, I think probably by me having this guy on my list, though, <laughs> as a, the next guy I have on my list as a realistic guy is just it's just a pipe dream once again. But that's DeJounte Murray. Uh, looking at his stats this year, the kid is averaging 18 points, 8.4 rebounds, 8.3 assists. So you're probably talking at least a first-round pick and one of, the, <laughs> one of your centers for him. I mean, you might even have to, like, if you traded Sabonis, you'd probably have to either just give a pick or something. I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't know what San Antonio's realistic, uh, you know, value of him is, right? I have no idea. But before this, I feel like he was way more obtainable. But right now, the numbers he's putting up, it, they're unreal. The Pacers could use a point guard like this. I thoroughly enjoy watching him play when I've gotten the chance to, um, even, even in the previous years against the Pacers. He's just a really good ball player. So I, I don't know how realistic that, uh, that is, Fachi, but I would be incredibly happy if this is someone the Pacers could steal away from San Antonio. Lined up perfectly here. I have DeJounte Murray in the same spot. Um, you have number three or well, two? Num- well, I guess uh, he's number two on my list. So okay. he, was, he was my next spot. So okay. looking at Murray, guys, if you want to break it down, I, I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy looking through his stats because – This is someone that has improved in nearly every category every single year. I mean, the three-point shooting, you know, not, not, you know, not there, but um, I mean, this is someone that's scoring rookie year, 3.4 next year, 8.1 missed the full year with a torn ACL. Then the following year, 10.9 next year, 15.7 and then 18 points per game. So he's improving by three to five points per game every single year. You look at the steals. He's been a great defender for a while. He's actually the youngest player ever to make an all-defensive team uh, back in 2017-2018. Uh, this year, currently averaging over two steals per game, 
The cysts have climbed up every single year, 1.3 to 2.9, then to 4.1, 5.4, now it's 8.3. Same thing with the rebounding. Every single year, I mean, you're talking about a guy that continues to get better and better, but where are the Spurs going? So I feel like between DeJounte Murray, Derek White, they have a little bit of a luxury over at that point guard position. Murray, just like you mentioned, it might just be a pipe dream. But, you know, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, a guy like Sabonis, you know, maybe you're throwing something else. You know, maybe that, that that's enough to entice San Antonio. I yeah. don't know. But I, I do feel like DeJounte Murray is a special player that does not get coverage enough, covered enough. He's not on TV enough. But, man, this guy can play. And he's, he's, he's special. Yeah, it's just that's what I'm so like perplexed by. It's like, man, like would would this really be realistic? I mean, if you traded Sabonis to San Antonio, would they be willing to give up Dejounte Murray? I mean, that's what I would. That's probably I. He'd have to be in the deal. It has to be Sabonis. And well, I'm saying I, I Murray has to be in the deal for return. Like, I'm not taking anybody else from San Antonio. I'm not taking Derek White. Good player, but it's not the same. Right. So it's like. Uh, you 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 got to figure out the perfect uh, deal here, and which I, I we're not doing trade deals right now, so I shouldn't really be getting into the, into this. But I just wonder if it would take Sabonis and a pick to try to get him away. I don't think the Pacers would do that. I think they would value their two-time All Star a little bit more than attaching a pick to get Murray. But I think the Spurs would probably ask for that. Um, I think Devin Vassell is another young player on San Antonio that I really like, and Keldon Johnson is another player down that we've talked about before that I like. So those are, those are like, a, there's a lot of decent Spurs down there. I'm not the biggest Lonnie Walker guy anymore. I, no, I thought, I thought, may, I thought maybe when he first came out, there'd be some intrigue there, but uh, over the last couple of years, I just, I'm like you said, I've soured a little bit, but those three guys that I mentioned, Keldon Johnson, DeJounte Murray, and Devin Vassell would all be guys that I would really look at if I could maybe get them. But uh, for my number two, Fachi, I'm going to go a little bit different here. I'm going back to the young players once again, and I'm doing a combination of Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. Uh, it's not even because I love Moses Moody. I am actually doing this because of the potential of Jonathan Kaminga. And I, I know that he played a little bit last night, played six minutes. He was decent in the, in the time that he played last night for the Warriors, but they have already said they don't really want to trade him. But I think if push comes to shove, they're trying to win a championship. You might be able to get a guy like this. So, I just feel like if you can get Jonathan Kaminga in a deal for a guy that might be on the out for your team and you can get him locked up, like you said, on that rookie contract, seven, eight years, that's the route you have to go. And if Kaminga could become somebody, now you're you've you've hit on you've hit on something that you didn't have previously. I mean, he was a seventh overall pick in this year's draft. I don't want James Wiseman. I I'm I'm not sold on Wiseman. I think he's a good player. But we don't need another center. Jonathan Kaminga is the guy that I think makes the most sense for me. Uh, and I would love to get Moses Moody in that deal as well. I mean, if you can get the two of them, that is an absolute home run. Grand slam, whatever sports term you want to use. Those two young players are, are players that I think that you can then start to build something sustainable for the future. Kuminga. That was the guy that, you know, coming into the year was, was going to be in the running for a potential first overall pick, if not definitely top three. Seeing him even slide to seven was surprising. So yeah. you, you can't go anything off of what you're going to see in a box score because he's not playing enough for them. But this guy w w put up big-time numbers in the G League last year, and that would have been his freshman year in college. So, I mean, this, this is someone who, 
I don't want to be throwing around the potential star one day, but I, I really think that he's a very, really, really, really talented special player that I don't think that they want to get rid of. But when you you nailed it when you basically said Golden State's going for a championship. Yeah, they really are. And Kuminga is that link to being able to to bring in another really, really good player. So I, I think that Moses Moody's probably the more likely guy to be included in any type of deal. If it was up to them, it probably would be. Moody and Wiseman. But if, if you try hard enough, you might be able to get Kuminga off them, and that would be an amazing move for the Pacers. So moving over to number one. Hey, once you get to number one, you know, is this even likely to happen at all? But we continue to hear rumblings and rumblings, and it's the potential breakup in Boston between Jason Tatum. Oh, wow. Jalen. Oh, yeah. Jalen Brown oh, wow. is one okay. that I strongly <laughs> believe in look this guy's been putting up over 20 points per game for the last few years but that's really hard to do when you're talking about playing alongside another stud in Jason Tatum and I feel like if Jalen Brown had his own team I I think he'd be really really good is he enough to to win a championship no he's not but he's a player that he could defend he could score Uh, I mean this guy he took major leaps and bounds He was an all-star last year, and I don't think he's done being an all-star. I think he's going to be an all-star for many years to come. I mean, he's already taken a much bigger leap, but it reminds me kind of of, like, when Harden was in that shuffle in OKC where, like, you knew he was good, but, like, what would he do on his own? And I really think that if Jalen Brown was on his own, he'd be putting up monster numbers. Hopefully the Pacers would still be able to, you know, keep some talent around him. But, man, if the Pacers were able to get Jalen Brown, which – they flirted with a little bit when they were trading Paul George, but it never happened. Man, Jalen Brown would be a stud in Indiana. There's also some rumors going around and maybe that the, the Pacers trade Sabonis for Jalen Brown too before he signed that extension, right, Sabonis? Mm-hmm. Because people were like, oh, if he's afraid of signing that extension, the Pacers can maybe flip him for one another. And then, obviously, I think Boston got to the finals that year uh, in the bubble. And everyone's like, well, I'm glad they didn't do that. I was like, wow, okay, <laughs> like, let's calm down a little bit. But uh, – uh, yeah, Jalen Brown, I, I thought you said this was a realistic list because I just don't really see realistically what the Pacers have to offer that could get them Jalen Brown. I mean, you're talking Sabonis plus to get oh, Jalen Brown, and I don't really know why they would want another center. I mean, I get it. I get, you know, the intrigue of Sabonis with Jason Tatum, but at the same time, it's like, what? I mean, we're probably going to have to give up Duarte and a pick uh, plus and Sabonis for Jalen Brown, which – you know, and I don't even know if that's enough because it's just like Jalen Brown is like so good. And good. Uh, I think there'd be teams that have way more to offer than what we could offer for him. So, uh, but I, I like the idea of it. I, I try to keep mine realistic. And so number one, it's probably not going to be too big of a surprise when you hear it, but I've got the power forward number 43 from Toronto. Pascal Siakam is my number one. Uh, I, I actually think whether it's Domas or Miles, he could fit in that perfect role right there. Uh, was an all-star, really good defensive player. Um, offensively, he's a good player as well. I, I, I think offensively, there could be some times where him and Sabonis might clash on what they what they do. So, you know, you could you could see where maybe the, t- the Turner would make more sense. But I just think with how Toronto has built their roster with Scotty Barnes and OG and Anobi, they're going to be taking up some of those minutes, I think, in my opinion, from Pascal Siakam. I did talk to a, a Raptors fan about a Pascal Siakam deal. 
I said, does Turner and Lavert get you anywhere close to trying to get Pascal back? He said, doesn't interest me. If, we're, if you're talking Sabonis, uh, then I'm interested. So just saying, like, you know, if you're throwing out Sabonis plus something to get maybe Pascal, uh, just just a, a really modernized, uh, modern day four that I think this team desperately needs could make a lot of sense. I had in my honorable mention, honestly, I used to love me some Pascal Siakam. And the, the reason why I soured on him was because he was so good with Kawhi Leonard that I thought when Kawhi left, I thought that Siakam would take over and just dominate. And he didn't. I saw a guy that that kind of regressed a bit. And now I, I feel like this was someone who was, was an all-star a couple of years ago. And now you're wondering, like, okay, well, he's definitely not a number one. So he'd probably be like maybe a good number two or a great number three. But then when you factor in the money, I mean, Siakam was making $33 million this year. So yeah. and it, only, it only goes up from there. So if you're going to be trading for a guy like that, he, he better be, you know, he better be a top-notch option. So that's why I do think Siakam is much more available than Jalen Brown. Yeah. Um, you know, due to the direction of the team, Boston trying to win. You know, Toronto's kind of like, you know, they're trying, but they're like kind of in and out of like, are we – we're thinking about a little bit for the future, but also trying to compete now. So uh, Siakam, you know, could, could be good, but then it's once again, like, do I want our best two players to be bigs? And that's where I get a little bit nervous. I get that. But I, I also think when you look at it realistically, um, if you're trading Turner and Levert or Sabonis and Levert or whatever, whatever deal they make, we're talking about guys that are second and third options on a good team. Right. Um, and I'm talking Sabonis is probably the only one that's close to maybe a second option on a, on a good team. Right. So you're not going to get back that number one more than likely with what you're giving up unless you're mortgaging the farm by trading a bunch of picks, which we already said we don't want to do that. So that's why I think when you're looking at guys that you're getting back, you're not really planning on getting back a number one player uh, or a number one that can lead you to a championship unless you go for one of these young guys and they just somehow happen to break out and they hit here. But, I mean, if they're already that good to be a number one guy, they're probably – able to do that with the city they're in right now. So uh, that's why I think with most of these trades, you're not getting that superstar, that that number one option, that closer, but you're just trying to build yourself to get more modern, I think, for me personally, and, and, and just take a chance on some young guys and hope they hit to be really good players. And then maybe you can still find that number one in the draft, preferably this year if you're going to have a top 10 pick. Yeah, I have no idea where the Pacers could find that number one unless it is in the draft. So whatever it is, you, you, we can't be giving up picks. I, I yeah. know it's it's just if you're going to try and go for these guys, it's going to take picks. But the Pacers are not luring a true number one to Indiana in free agency. It, it has not happened before, and it's definitely not happening now. So, you know, it, it's going to be tough. But, guys, I hope that we provided you with enough options of – you know, people to keep your eyes on because there are some diamonds in the rough here. And then there's more of the, the pipe dream guys that are like, you know, ah, well, that's not happening, but you got to have those in there. Yeah. Did you have any honorable mentions that you didn't share yet? No, I believe I shared both of them. It was PJ Washington and Pascal Siakam. Those were guys that okay. I, I really fought to have in my list, but you know, they didn't make it. I threw in Joe Harris and Duncan Robinson as honorable mention guys. Um, I, I did see some people on locked on heat talking about, you know, trading for Turner to put him next to Bam. And, and, you know, it would pretty much be Duncan Robinson if that's the case. Uh, I, I don't know if Indiana fans would be excited about that. Uh, it would be interesting to see 
Miami without Duncan Robinson just because he's such a good shooter for them. Uh, would it would it mess up their chemistry? But just imagine that starting five defensively of Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, PJ Tucker, Bam Adebayo, and Miles Turner. Uh, that'd be pretty tenacious defensively, if you ask me. Um, but I, I still think I like Bam better as a solo five. But this is just their idea they threw out. Um, so I was just like, you know, if the Pacers could get Duncan Robinson, like they desperately need some three-point shooting on this team. Uh, I think he's a little bit better than Doug McDermott overall as a player. So you're getting an upgrade there, but defensively, he doesn't help you <laughs> whatsoever. And, and if you're trading Turner form, then your defense is already going to take a massive hit. So uh, I don't know what you'd have to do to get him, but I think it'd be interesting just to look at the idea of Duncan Robinson. Oh, definitely it will be. I mean, when, when it's all said and done, Duncan Robinson is probably going to end up being one of the best three-point shooters, I, I think, of all time, given the era that we play in now and how accurate he is. I mean, he's already from like a games played perspective well ahead of many of the great three-point shooters. So, and I believe he was even ahead of Curry just because people are shooting a ridiculous amount of threes right now. So not saying he's better than Curry in any way from a three-point standpoint, but still. Um, Duncan Robinson freshly signed on a, on a contract, so he yeah. would at least be locked up. My fear is that if, if the Pacers don't have the true talent around him, then at that point, is he able to be utilized to his best of his ability? So I feel like he's one of those players that fits like a team that's ready to you know, go for it all, and he could just be his role player because he's not, like, setting up guys. He's not rebounding. He's not playing defense. He's pretty much – he's not even really putting the ball on the floor. No. Nah. He's, he's catching and shooting. So. He's in the perfect – he's really in the perfect he spot. He really is. You, you don't want to overpay and get yourself kind of wrapped up into exactly. what the what the Wizards have done with Davis Bertans. 100%. So that's kind of the, like, oh, crap, like, that's what we did. So, like, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's realistic, but – um, just a just a name to throw out there in case you guys but maybe you could attach Victor to it. That'd be interesting. But uh, oh, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> All right, that wraps up our top ten list. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break when we come back. Fachi's gonna go one on one with Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are joined by Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report, author of Built to Lose: How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Jake, what's going on? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Jake, one of the funnest times of the year. Trade season, it, it officially feels like it's starting to kick off. No, it's not the trade deadline, but December 15th, one day from now as we're recording this, maybe even the same day you guys are listening to this, a ton of players in the league will become trade eligible. Jake, you recently published a, a great article uh, from Bleacher Report that talked about some of the names that are rumored to be potentially available, at least we'll, we'll put it that way, because you never know what ends up, uh, you know, happening in the end. But I would basically say uh, a team that you've kind of mentioned a bit, the Indiana Pacers. Now, we're not talking about them because of their recent three-game winning streak. But we're talking about them because they made it known that they're open to making trades in specific either DeMontis Sabonis, Miles Turner, or uh, Karis LeVert could be on the move. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe what you've heard over there? Yeah, the, the word's been kind of going around about Indiana for, for I'd say, two, three weeks now. Um, you know, if Neil Olshi didn't get fired, whatever it was, that, that Friday, the following Tuesday, my, <clears throat> my original plan uh, from my, my reporting was to write on that Tuesday morning uh, when the Athletic did have uh, the scoop, not to – that sounds bad. That sounds like I'm pumping my chest out. Um, <laughs> but, no, I, I just had to say, like, it, it, it was – it's been the top of mind. Like the Pacers have been the 
number one talking point, I think, amongst team executives and agents and other league personnel that I talked to for the better part of the last couple of weeks. And that's because they do have players that I think have value on the league. And also I think because there's no clear cut direction, I think, as to where this is going to go. I, I think, you know, from, from talking to the people that I know, um, I really do think that the front office and Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan, it's in their best interest to go with a full style rebuild just like Orlando did last year. The Magic entered the 2020-21 season with playoff aspirations, even, you know, thinking they could be a top four seed in the East. And sure enough, they had a bunch of injuries and they ended up blowing it up and selling ownership on a rebuild and signing contract extensions. Um, And I think it's important context here that, um, you know, the Nate Bjorken hire that went pretty awry last season unfolded as it did um that is a big black mark on you know the Pacers leadership's resume here and you know they go and get Rick Carlisle to go and make a last push with this group and it still hasn't worked out yes injuries have been an issue again um but at the same time just like Jeremy Grant in Detroit where the Pistons you know he he just got hurt even to, to, to kind of bring this reality to a head um, you, you want to make a move at hopefully close to the apex of a player's trade value if it's not working out in that current situation. So that's what I think this is. Um, and I think they're going to sit back and wait to see what um, what best offers come their way. Because I do think with Rick Carlisle entrenched there with a four-year $29 million contract, obviously ownership, um, Herb Simon has never been keen on trying to rebuild through the draft. He's always wanted to put out a competitive product that makes the postseason every year. I think that's what we're going to see here. I think the Pacers are going to take a lot of calls. They're going to make a lot of calls. And they're going to try to make a couple of trades between now and the February 10th deadline in order to reshuffle this rust, this roster and try to get Rick Carlisle's group back into the playoff picture. Absolutely. One of the worst things you can do in the NBA is being stuck in the middle. And I feel like that magic team, they were a playoff team, but they weren't winning really anything more than just one game in the playoffs before they were being bounced. And they did hit the reset over there, trading Vucevic, and they actually have a, a really fun young core over there that I know Pacer fans would love to see a young core that we can get behind for years rather than just kind of being that consistent playing team, you know, eighth seed, sixth seed, right around there where you're getting bounced in the first round. So, um, you know, I, I view this more as retooling rather than rebuilding. I don't think that they're going to, you know, unload everybody. Like the key word I think was either big, because I think they do want to still keep one of Sabonis or Turner to see them be the sole center. But uh, you mentioned Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson appear to be the quote untouchables right now. Is there any scenario that you think one of those guys could be included in a deal or are they truly off the table? I think they could be included in a deal that would upgrade, right? Like, I think that's kind of the big sticking point as to why, um, why certain guys, oh, and why, why I write stories versus just, tweeting out rumors like the context that's important is um you know I, I do think that if, if the right player I don't know who that would be um but you know let's say hypothetically the the difference between the, the Pacers getting Ben Simmons and a three or four team structure is whether or not they include Chris Duarte to send him to Philadelphia like I think they're putting Chris Duarte in that deal 
Um, but I, I think their main goal is to absolutely keep him. He's been one of the best rookies of um, the season. And I think he's a player that has already won over this veteran coaching staff. And in the eyes of a team that has aspirations to compete, it's pretty it's a pretty big help when one of your starters is on a rookie contract like that. Absolutely. I mean, Pacer fans have fallen in love with Chris Duarte truly from night one when he dropped 27 points, but also, I mean, even looked fantastic in summer league, you know, just it, it, he's been a treat to watch. So really don't want to see him moved in, unless you're truly bringing in, you know, potentially a star, but one of the guys that you mentioned, you know, borderline star, depending on who you talk to, Ben Simmons could be on the move. The Pacers were one of the teams that were named that you named in there, but we've also heard them flirting with Ben Simmons for a while, whether it was initially, whether it's a rumor or not, you know, when it was Malcolm Brogdon, a first round pick being offered, Brogdon has since signed an extension, not eligible to be traded this year. But do you think the Pacers would still have the assets to convince Philly to make a deal for Simmons or would this have to be a three or four team deal? Pretty much. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to people high up in Philly throughout this process, and there's very few people, very few players that they would take back for a deal that sends Ben Simmons out the door. They, they, they want Ben Simmons to play for them right now. There was never an intent that the Sixers, you know, from following their game seven loss to Atlanta, I don't think, I, I truly don't think that the Sixers wanted to do anything with Ben Simmons this offseason, aside from if an opportunity presented itself like a Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal became available, just like the Chris Duarte situation. Um, but Ben was the one who requested the trade. And since then, I mean, the Sixers still have all the leverage in that scenario where he's on a contract that's, you know, still has, I, he's in the fifth, the first year of a five-year deal. So so it's four more years after it, only 25. Like they're only giving up that three-time All-Star when they're getting someone back in return who they think is um, going to similarly prop up Joel Embiid's title contention abilities. And I think the way I was explained to me by somebody there yesterday, just trading Ben for something that isn't that valuable, um, it actually kind of does worse in their perspective than actually than just holding Ben Simmons out until that deal materializes because – Ben Simmons would theoretically be their biggest trade chip to go get that guy who can, you know, help Joel Embiid ultimately get to that final herder, which I, that does make sense to me. So until they get, they do have a literal list. I don't know how long exactly it is. It's somewhere between like 24 and 30. Um, and there's names on there that I'm pretty sure of at least a couple of them. And the ones that I, I am pretty sure about are Dame, Beal, Jalen Brown, James Harden, and none of those guys are on Indiana, right? And I don't think DeMontis Sabonis or Miles Turner or Karis Silver or TJ Warren fit that bill either, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I don't think they do either. I don't think that Philly's looking for, you know, one of those bigs back. Um, and the fact that the Pacers can't trade Brogdon definitely does complicate things right now. But a player you just named, Jalen Brown. Look, this is a player that very much intrigues me, Pacer fans, and many other teams. And now I, I, we're hearing reports that, the Celtics could potentially break up that Tatum-Brown combination, whether it's this year, the offseason, or in the future. Uh, Brown was once flirted in Paul George rumors when the Pacers were looking to make a move. Obviously, it never ended up happening. Do you think the Pacers could have a package that could entice the Celtics for you know trading for Jalen Brown? You know, there, 
it's not happening anytime soon. Something drastic would really have to occur. And that something drastic could be a series of events where Boston theoretically continues to struggle throughout this season. Um, you know, they're in the play-in conversation more in that seven, eight, six seed than being a legitimate playoff team, which they haven't been um, since that bubble spurt. And obviously, you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving weren't playing in that uh, environment. Uh, I think that was a pretty down Eastern conference overall. Um, and also that, that this team isn't the same team that, that was built up to go toe-to-toe with Miami at that point. And there is an expectation to win and win championships in Boston. That was the goal when they brought in Brad Stevens at, at a certain point, you know, right? They started off tanking just alongside Philadelphia. Um, but very quickly, they, they got back into the postseason with Isaiah Thomas, and they had were expectations to push further, and they go get Kyrie, and they go get Gordon Hayward and Al Horford. Um, so being a fledgling playoff startup isn't really what Boston has in mind at the top, especially when this pairing of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum has proven their ability to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. So all that being said, if someone like Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal or whoever, you know, just like in the Ben Simmons conversation, were to present themselves for Boston at a point where their front office does start to think maybe this duo doesn't um, doesn't work, which theoretically on the court, skill-wise, yes, having two two-way wings who can create and score and shoot seems to be a dream scenario for any NBA team. But at the end of the day, this isn't 2K. These are people and human beings. And from everything I've heard, it doesn't sound like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are even fully enchanted by the idea of riding this thing out year after year after year. And I think they are warming to the notion of um, a future playing um, without, without each other in different situations. And this would be Jason Tatum's team. He is the guy who got the max salary. So at the end of the day, no. Do I think Jason or Jalen Brown's going to get traded this year? No. But it's not implausible that he could get moved before the start of the next season, especially if these other players around his caliber become available. Even someone especially like Bradley Beal, who has a noted close relationship with Jason Tatum going back to St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely do. I, I've heard Jason Tatum talk about Beal a ton of times, but we'll see what happens over there. But, yeah, when you mentioned, you know, two-way wings like that, having having two on the same team, my God, the Pacers would kill for just one. However, you know, you're, they're not looking to just unload Jalen Brown just to do it. You mentioned a lot of moves that have just not paid off. I mean, Kemba is one of the most recent ones that it just didn't work out. They cut their losses over there. So we'll see what Boston does. But out of uh, Sabonis, Turner, Levert, uh, those guys, I mean, which do you see as the most likely to be traded this year for the Pacers? It's tough. I, you talk to certain people and they think it's Turner. You talk to certain people who think it's a bonus. Um, I, I would venture to guess that it's probably Levert. Um, I, I think he's got a lot of value. Um, I think he's going to cost less, which makes him more gettable, right? Um, and I think just like we talked about the Celtics, there's, there's a dearth of, of two-way talents on the wing in the NBA right now. And Karras has proven abilities uh, to stand up in, in the postseason environment time and again um, in Brooklyn. So, yeah, like a team like Cleveland who needs some help, like that'd be one to keep an eye on. Um, I, I would, I would, I'm pretty confident that they'd be interested in him. 
um, if that situation were to arise. I don't know how the deal gets done. Um, but other teams like that, like Minnesota, you know, team teams that are – I don't know if Minnesota would have any interest. I haven't talked to anybody there about it, to be clear. But teams that are in that, you know, middle of the pack who want to take a step to really ensure themselves, just like the Cavs have done – um, so far, and like the Pacers are hoping to do, right? Like, if there's a Karis Levert out there for the Pacers, like I'm sure they take a gamble on that guy. So, that's that. That's kind of um, you know, a lot of my job is piecing together and connecting the dots, and I think that is kind of what my conclusion has come to. Yeah, I mean, the Pacers have tried to make this double big situation work for years now, but Levert was someone that the front office was so high on coming into this year. I know he had the back injury. But for whatever reason, the buzz has not been the same. I know, I know he struggled at times. I likely credit that due to the back injury. But I just feel like they know they tried to get a deal done, and they couldn't. And I just feel like they, they are more likely to moving Levert at this time. But we'll wait and see over there. A team that you mentioned in your article, the Sacramento Kings. Now, I know that you mentioned you know guys like Buddy Heald or Marvin Bagley could become available. But... What about De'Aaron Fox? Is there any scenario where you see the Kings being willing to move Fox for anything less than maybe, you know, an absolute star? Like anytime there's a Damian Lillard available, sure. But if the Pacers were to make a trade with the Kings, is there any scenario that De'Aaron Fox could be included? I don't think at this time, but just like the Jalen Brown situation, maybe, maybe at a certain point. Um, I, I know there are, um, there are definitely mixed opinions about De'Aaron Fox on the league. I'll say that. And he has his supporters, but he has his skeptics. And if there start to become more skeptics in Sacramento than supporters, then maybe there is a chance. Um, but at this point, I think that's probably too early to say. For sure. I mean, just the the, the back-to-back drafting of Hal Burton and, and Davion Mitchell, you know, it, it's interesting the approach that they're going after locking up De'Aaron Fox to, uh, you know, a massive deal. But uh, a player that you mentioned earlier, Jeremy Grant. I mean, people would be crazy to not have interest in Grant, especially the direction that the Pistons are moving. In. I know he's got a finger injury now. I believe they reported he could be out for, I want to say, like six weeks or so. However, do you envision Jeremy Grant finishing the season in Detroit? I would most likely expect him not to, no. I, I, I think I think there is – Everything I've heard, it sounds like there's a lot of interest to get him to a different situation. Um, and he is someone who's going to be very coveted. His salary is not anything exorbitant. I think part of um, what's hamstringing a lot of contenders around the league right now is that a lot of you see this formula of stacking, you know, three $30 million player, 30 plus million dollar players on a roster leading limited flexibility like the Lakers have, like to bring in Jeremy Grant somewhere else. Um, just around his numbers are on 20 million, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a far more attractive and, and feasible process. And that, that's why I feel like when you, when you talked about earlier, how Indiana has the assets, while they don't have necessarily, as Kevin Pritchard said, a star, I know we try to take back those comments, but we have a bunch of really good players that are making right around that $18 million mark. So, you know, you got your Levert right in that $18 million range, Sabonis, Miles Turner. I mean, those are guys that, can fit into teams without needing to, you know, take back three or four contracts. Uh, Then you also have Jeremy Lamb at $10.5 million expiring. So they do have the assets, I feel like, for for teams to, you know, be able to trade for without having to give up an absolute farm. But lastly, we wouldn't be able to talk trades if we weren't talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. They are rumored to truly be interested in just about everybody, while it feels like maybe willing to part with the, the least. 
I mean, you mentioned the max guys here, Anthony Davis, LeBron, Russell Westbrook, those three guys are clogging up a massive amount of, of their payroll. Do you envision them trading Talon Horton Tucker this year in hopes of making this team work? Or is this where they're really trying to just scrap together a few minimum contracts, future draft picks, and try and bring in anyone that they can? I, yeah, I don't, I don't expect the Lakers to be able to do much. And I think, you know, some Lakers fans, a lot of Lakers fans are, are mad at me on Twitter right now because I mentioned that uh, the Lakers are considering their options here. But, like, that's what every front office is doing right now. That's mm -hmm. just part of the job. It should be, yeah. Even the Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns and the Brooklyn Nets are looking at their top two, top tier, you know, teams rosters and look and saying how can we improve ourselves right now we're not the, the obvious runaway favorite at this moment so um you know with that being the case like the lakers those all those minimum guys don't have value they just don't you can't go out and get someone who are you going to go out and get someone who's better than them on a minimum deal <clears throat> excuse me so from there um russell westbrook's really one of the only options it's going to be difficult to do so that that's not a player, for example, that the Sixers want back for, for Ben Simmons to get Kevin Love from Cleveland. I don't think there's any interest on the cab side. You could send him back to Houston for John Wall, but that's the team Russell Westbrook just requested to trade away from. So, you know, their options are limited there. I don't think they're going to move on from Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, so from there, like that really only leaves Kendrick Nunn, and we haven't seen him play yet. And he's someone that his representation at least was – was convinced that he's got a chance to start for the Lakers. So I think the Lakers are going to at least want to trot him out there and see how he does. So for this point, I, I don't really know what moves we can see for Los Angeles to improve this season outside of getting guys in the buyout market. Absolutely. And look, if there's one guy you want in your corner to keep you on the team, it's LeBron James. LeBron seems to love Taylor Horton Tucker. So he's one of his biggest advocates. So I do think the buyout market is likely going to be what we'll see. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll make some moves, but, you know, we know they'll get crafty. But if Lakers fans, I would not expect anything massive coming in. They just do not have the contracts that they can send out. But, Jake, as we wrap up over here, I, I want to thank you for your time and let everybody know where they could find you on social media. Yeah, I'm at Jake L. Fisher, um, F-I-S-C-H-E-R. If you like my reporting at Bleacher Report, um, there's a lot of rumors and other anecdotes and juicy details in my book, Built to Lose. Um, it's available anywhere books are sold. Amazon, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble. Um, I publish a Triumph Books. There's even a promo code, Fisher30, F-I-S-C-H-E-R 30, at Triumph Books to get 30% off the deal. That I think goes through the end of December. Um, so if you want discounted book there it's also like half off on amazon now so that's probably even better than publisher <laughs> but uh yeah thanks for giving me the platform to talk about that to talk some hoops and uh yeah we'll talk soon absolutely great deals for the holiday season jake i wish you nothing but the best happy holidays and thanks for coming on you got it take care all right Fachi. so that was a great interview i really enjoyed what jake had to say and you know seems to have a good idea of what's going on inside the nba and as we uh approach trade deadline the next couple of months are gonna be heating up and uh just excited to see what all comes out Fotch. absolutely truly feels like the the kickoff to to trade season in the nba you know we haven't seen a trade uh yet in the league so uh it, it's exciting to know that rumors will be flowing from here on out all right well we we lost um that winning streak to the warriors got the bucks wednesday it's gonna be a tough one but got the pistons on thursday so 
an opportunity there, Fachi, to bounce back. But um, as we wrap up, can you tell people where they can find us at on social media? Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You could find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. And you could find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And if you're excited that DeMontis Sabonis was named the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, say these three words. Let's go Pacers!